Hi, everyone. Susie O here. Just want to let all of you know that the certificates of deposit at Alliant Credit Union are now at, for a six-month CD, 5%, a 12- to 17-month CD, 5.15%, and an 18- to 23-month CD, 4.90%. And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant.com and check it out. Good morning, Susie. Today is June 9th. That's my KT. Do you you believe it's already like summer starting? June 21st is the official summer date, isn't it? Oh, now you're asking me things I don't know. That should have been my quizzy. (laughs) (laughs) But I think you are absolutely correct there. Good morning, Miss Travis. And welcome, everybody, to the Ask Susie Ann. KT. Anything podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're good that we're not swimmers. You know those swimmers that synchronize swimming? Oh my God. We wouldn't no. be able to do that, would we? No, but I'm a great swimmer. Do you all know I am. <laughs> that KT can swim? Now, our pool is 70 feet long. And the reason that I did a pool that was 70 feet long is that the one thing that KT loves more in life than anything is Other to than swim me, la- is to swim my laps. <laughs> is to swim laps, and she's not this person who has a pool so it looks good. This woman gets in that pool, and for essentially almost one hour, well, almost every day, unless it's really raining and thundering. Yeah, and but she swims forty to fifty laps, which means. A lap is it goes one way and back the other. A length is if you just go one way. And I just sit there and watch her for like an hour doing this at full speed. So fabulous that she can do that. I, on the other hand, float. (laughs) (laughs) We like floaters. So everybody wants to know how my birthday was. Fabulous. Susie, actually, I was worried because we didn't, make any special. We didn't do anything special. Colo made a little barbecue for us late in the afternoon of all her favorite sausages and things that she just treats herself to every now and then. It was just really a very delightful, quiet day. And uneventful. Yeah. And I want to say once again, thank you for all the truly heartfelt emails that I got. So many great So wishes. many. And so many of you are writing me, telling me, no, no, Susie, don't feel bad about your mom. If you didn't listen to my birthday podcast, it was really about my mom and dad. And it's not that I feel bad about it. It's just something when you recognize something in your life where you could have done better. Mm -hmm. Okay, at least I've recognized it. 
And I wanted to pass on that recognition to all of you who are still lucky enough to have your parents or one parent or whoever may be that person in your life so that you just think about it. And you know, KT, what was so great to me is we have a really great friend by the name of Mags, Mm. who we work with. And she said that she was on her way to visit her mom. Mm -hmm. And she listened to that podcast twice before she went in to see her mother to just remember, yeah, her mom is older and what that might be like for her. And it actually changed her attitude and how she was with her mom that day. Mm-hmm. Great, right? Yeah. All right. Should we start? Yeah, let's do it. June 9th, baby. Baby. Okay. Baby, my baby, first, baby. My first question is from Abraham. Hi, Susie. My credit card recently started charging annual fees. I want to cancel, but it's my oldest account. He's had it for 18 years, and I have a relatively high credit limit. Would it be best for my FICO to keep this card or cancel it? That should have been your quizzy. Keep it. (laughs) You would tell him to keep it? Yeah. (laughs) Come. (laughs) Sorry, maybe that shouldn't have been your quizzy. (laughs) (laughs) I thought we don't want to cancel or close down a credit card that old. However, let's go to Susie's school really quickly right here now, everybody. A FICO, if you don't know what that is, that is your credit score, your legitimate credit score that 80% of lenders actually look at before they give you a loan and assign an interest rate to that loan. Your FICO or your Fair Isaac Credit Company, that's what that stands for, that created credit scores way back when, the higher your FICO score, the lower your interest rates, the lower your FICO score, the higher your interest rates. You all want a FICO score of about 760 or above. The highest is 850, just so you know. However, Abraham, the reason that I told KT she wasn't correct in her answer is because they started to charge you an annual fee. And in my opinion, no credit card is really worth paying an annual fee unless you are getting tremendous benefits from that card. Like two of you can fly at the price of one, whatever it may be. So you have to really think twice about, is the fee worth keeping that card? Obviously, you don't think so, or you wouldn't have written in to me. While it is true that it may be your oldest account, the time that you own a card, the length of it is only worth 10% of your FICO score. So if you close it down, it's not going to hurt you that much on any level. Also, you say you have a relatively high credit limit of $17,000. Only you know if you would ever need that credit limit. Because you may find yourself in a situation one day where if you close it down, you go, oh my God, I wish I hadn't because I lost my job. I need access to money. So is it possible for you to replace that card with another card that doesn't charge an annual fee, but also will give you a high credit limit so that you still have availability to money in case something goes wrong? Normally, I would say absolutely close it down. But you have to remember, 
If you need that credit limit and you can't replace it, then don't close it down. Then KT would so, be so KT could say ding 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 for KT. So we're both right. We're both right. I don't I mean, think you gave, so. You gave him two options. You yeah. gave him a reason. Yes, I of course I always give a Can reason. Can I ask? Here's a third reason. What if you call the credit card company and say, "Listen, I you, we we've been doing business together for so many years." I'm now going to cancel because you're charging me a... He can try that. Try that. Absolutely, he they can could, try that. They could void that, so give it a shot. I would. Oh, well, now look at what we have. Ding, 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 <laughs> ding. Okay, next question is from Willa. Hello, I'm 54 years old with only 65000 of savings. I have no additional debt, but I don't have a 401k or any other savings. Should I buy stocks or just look for a high-yield savings account. I'm afraid to lose the little I have if I invest everything. Katie, That's the answer. What is the most important word in that question? I'm afraid. Oh, I love you so no, much. I, can't I said even she stand just it. answered yeah. it herself. She's afraid of losing the little bit that she has. So don't do it. Don't invest in the stocks. <laughs> That's Sorry, true. Don't right? invest in the stocks. But Willa, here's the thing you need to know that fear shame, and anger are the three internal obstacles to wealth. They will cause you to spend more money than you should. They will cause you to sell when you should be keeping something or buy when you shouldn't be purchasing at all. You have $65,000 of savings and that is it. So I would not be putting any money in the stock market, honestly, right here and right now. This stock market, while it still could go up for another week, two, or another month, in the long run, I think you're going to see it go down a lot further. I think we are in a downward long-term trend, just so you know. However, listen to my podcast on April 17th on series I-Bonds. And you might want to put some money in a series I bond. If you don't want to tie up your money at all, you then would be purchasing two-year, three-year, five-year treasury notes that could pay you very close to 3%. So at least you could be making some amount of money. Also, with $65,000 of savings, I would absolutely be taking advantage of the Ultimate Opportunity Savings Account with Alliant Credit Union. You can just take $100 a month, put it in every single month into an Alliant Credit Union Savings Account through myalliant.com. And look for me when you go there and you'll know then you're in the right place. You put $100 a month in every month not only will you earn the 0.75% interest they're currently paying on it, but at the end of 12 consecutive payments, they'll give you $100. You would need about $18,000 in that account today to earn $100 of interest, but with the $100 bonus, you can do it on just $1,200 after one year. Listen to the end of this podcast, and it tells you in detail everything you need to know. But those are the things that I would think about doing with my money. Now, Susie, listen carefully. This next question, I think you just answered. This is from Stephanie, who's also a fellow Gemini. 
She's turning Happy birthday. Yeah, she's turning 38 years old this week. What Ready? were you doing at 38, Miss Travis? Oh my God, I was at the height of my Hong Kong amazing career. I was on fire at 38. Re- unbelievable. Unbelievable. So anyway. <laughs> How come you never asked me back? What were you doing in 38, Susie? <laughs> well, if you've read do any, you I might. Yes, I do. And I wish I didn't. <laughs> right. I had just been ripped off by one of my employees. Remember that? And it was a horrible year for me. But that's besides the point. So, <laughs> okay, so let's go back to Gemini's. Ready? So this is Stephanie. So listen to what she's asking everyone because Susie just gave her the answer. I want to confirm to ensure I understand correctly, Susie. Should I continue to dollar cost average into the S&P 500 ETF and individual diversified stocks like I have been for the last few years? meaning she's following your advice. I am over 10 years away from retirement and still have time for my portfolio to bounce back in full like it has historically. So she's 38. I she's got assuming it. that that portfolio will bounce back in full like it has historically. And hopefully her assumption will be correct. Okay, so what should usually she do? Kate, she should she keep doing that. Because right. usually KT normally, and who knows what normal is anymore. Yeah, that's right, my point. From the top of the market to the bottom of the market till it returns to the top again can be anywhere from three and a half to five years. Right, so it just depends. She has more than 10 years She's fine with that. So keep doing what so she's keep doing. It. You're in the S&P 500. Obviously, you may know that I like the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index better than the Standard & Poor's 500 Index because the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index, ETF, by the way, invests in far more stocks than just the Standard & Poor's 500. So that's why I like to go that way. But either way, you're fine. All right. Okay. Next question is from Polly. Hi, Susie. I'm at the end of a car lease. I owe 20000 and I have 8000 of equity in the car. I decided to buy it even though it's not exactly what I want. My question is, should I refinance some of it or pay it off and hold on to the money? I don't have any credit card debt and I have $50,000 in the bank. My monthly living expenses are about $3,500. Thank you, Polly. Should that be your quizzy? Um, I, I, I can guess what she should do. Okay. Yeah, she should buy the car. How? Well, I Refinancing think, it or paying it off in full? I think she should pay it off in full. Ding, 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 ding. We're going to call this Katie's Quizzy Podcast, right? But she only has 50000 in the bank. Yes. But she says in here, right- that she has 50000 in the bank and her monthly living expenses are $3,500. So she's close to, if she pays off $20,000, that still leaves her $30,000 in the bank. Mm-hmm. She now doesn't have a monthly payment on, on this car. car, number one. Number two, if she then still has $30,000 in there, she's pretty close to a one-year emergency fund. So she could be fine because she would then take the money that she would normally be paying for the car payment, 
put it back in her emergency fund. And before you know it, she'll be right back up to her $50,000 And, and you know what else I was thinking? If she's strapped or is in big trouble, the price of cars right now for even a used car, she could sell it. Well, one of the reasons, KT, that, that I would want her to buy this car right now is she probably bought it three years ago or leased yeah. it three years ago before car prices went so high. So her buyout price was determined three years ago. So I'm sure if she bought that car and she turned around and sold it right now, she could, she could make, make money. money on it if she wanted to. Yeah, Absolutely. That's what I was thinking. However, used cars, everybody, are starting to come down. So now they will start to be more affordable again. Next question, KT. Okay, this is from Carla. And this is a sweet question, Susie. How do I transfer my IRA from my bank to a Roth IRA. You have the most compassionate look on that little yeah. face of yours. Tell Carla what to do, how to do. All right, Carla, because KT thought this was such, such a sweet, innocent question. It is. And the one thing that I want all of you to understand is don't ever be afraid to ask any question because I get it. Trust me, I live with KT. No. <laughs> no, I ask her questions like this all the time, all day long. I say, Susie, what if I wanted to do this? And she looks at me like, are you crazy? Don't you know? And I don't. So I'm not embarrassed. There you go. There so you it's go. important. Let's answer Carla. But I never look at you like you're crazy. No, but sometimes, you know, I'm never embarrassed. And and all my life, even bef life before Susie, I was the first one, usually in a room, to ask a question. Yeah, so people are I, afraid to ask questions. Yeah, I want you all to feel free to ask any question that you want. Also, I'm asking all of you to have tremendous patience, by the way, because I did a webinar about a week ago or so, and we had 55,000 people. In one day, we got 6,500 questions. So it's impossible, really, everybody, for me to keep up on all the questions and answer you personally, like I was doing way back when. So just just know that if you want to write in and ask a question, either join me on the Women in Money app by going to Google Play or Apple Apps and download it. And there we post a lot of pictures of the family here and what we're doing that I do not post on Instagram or Facebook, just so you know. Or you can send in a question to Podcast at gmail.com. And Susie is S-U-Z-E. And so listen closely because you never know when you're going to hear it on this podcast. Now, back to Carla. I almost forgot here what I was doing. Okay, Carla. All you have to do is open up a Roth IRA at the institution, the financial institution that you want to have your Roth IRA with. I would suggest either Charles Schwab, Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, a discount brokerage firm like that. Then what I would do is after you have done that, have that company that you set it up with contact your old company where your IRA is from your bank, and they will do a custodian to custodian transfer where they will take the money and have it directly deposited into your Roth IRA. But please know, 
that when you convert money, because what you're technically doing is converting from a traditional IRA that you've never paid taxes on to a Roth IRA, if you convert the entire amount at once, you will owe taxes on that entire amount. If you only convert half, you will owe taxes on that amount. So just make sure you understand the tax ramifications of converting before you do this. Okay, next question is similar from Kimberly. Hi, Katie and Susie. In the recent webinar, Susie mentioned treasury notes. Can we buy these within a Roth IRA or is it separate? Quizzy time, KT. It's totally separate. <laughs> you can buy it? A treasury? <laughs> a treasury bill, bond, or note you can buy in your IRA. You cannot buy an I-bond, an I-bond uh, within an IRA or a Roth IRA. So all you have to do to buy a treasury bill, bond, or note, and I still think they're fabulous places to put money within a retirement account that you want absolutely safe and sound. And the easiest way to do that is just purchase them through your broker, wherever you happen to have your account set up. So Susie, the next two questions, all right, are from June and Justin. Interesting, right? June and Justin. J and J. J and J. J and J. So these two questions from two complete strangers are similar. And I'll just read the first one. Hi, Susie. I recently got a promotional email from Vanguard to try their digital robo advisor for free for 90 days. Mm -hmm. I know your opinion on personal advisors, which I don't need to repeat here. And then she put in brackets, nobody cares about your money as much as you do. Now, do you think a robo advisor is going to care about it more? Just joking. Go on. Go okay, on. Okay. So wait. So however, <laughs> since you regard Vanguard highly, yes. I was curious if you might have a different opinion about robo-advisors. And to be fair to Justin, Justin has been following you, Susie, since he was 26. Now he is 41. He recently got caught up on your podcast and wants to know your opinion on robo-advisors. There you go. June and Justin. So you have to know the fees that are involved with the company that you're doing a robo-advisor with. And is it worth it for you to do that? So here we go, June. You, before you do this with Vanguard, because you're not going to know anything over these next three months. The way you know an advisor is a good advisor, and I don't dislike all financial advisors by any means. I've always said, if you have a great financial advisor, right, you should share that name with everybody you know, right? Because they're really worth their weight in gold. But many financial advisors are nothing more than salespeople, truthfully, that tell you to buy variable life, universal life, or whole life insurance, or they put you in mutual funds that have a load on it, or I could go on and on, all right? So, it's not that I don't like advisors. I just like great advisors that care about you more than the money that they make. All right, so there we go on that. However, I would call Vanguard and I would ask them, what is the fee after the 90 days is up? 
because again, you can't judge them in 90 days. And they know very well, once you start doing something for 90 days, you're just probably going to leave your money there. And that's how they're going to make their money. So are you better off buying things on your own, like index funds, things like that, than using a robo-advisor that has a fee? So the same thing goes with Justin. Justin, you should ask the robo-advisor that you're interested in what their fee is. Now, this is what I can tell you. When compared to most advisors, robo-advisors have been equally doing just as great, just so you know. But my real thing that I would love for you to do is to become your own advisor, make your own decisions, learn about how to do it, what you should do, so that empowers you so that you just don't feel like, you know, you're on automatic here. But again, robo-advisory firms have been doing very well over the long run. That's good to know. Yeah. Because here's a question from Mary, who doesn't have a good advisor, in my opinion. Susie, I'm turning oh, 72 years old and being 72, everybody. One year older than and me. And being encouraged, ready, to get an indexed universal life insurance. So you've already answered your question, my dear Mary, in that you're being encouraged. What does that word encouraged mean? You know, it's not advised to, it's being encouraged. And when somebody uses that word like you did in this email, I read into it. I read into it that you have an advisor that keeps telling you to do this and you don't want to do it. So they keep encouraging you to do it over and over again. But your gut is telling you, don't do it. At the age of 72, why do you need a life insurance policy at all? There's a cost to life insurance. A company just doesn't give you a death benefit because they're nice to you. You pay them to have that death benefit. So is there a reason at the age of 72, you should have a death benefit? And because you are older, and I can say that now because you're only one year older than me. So, but because we are older now, our insurance, the cost of insurance within any insurance policy is going to be higher. So I wouldn't be doing this and I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. But you already know that. Why don't you ask your advisor if you do it, how much commission they're going to make? Just try <laughs> that one on for size. All right, go on. This is from Angela. With the state of the economy and stock market, would it be best to draw the money out of my 401k and put it in a regular savings account? I'm 59. My husband is on disability. We're trying to help my mom and his dad. So we're usually strapped for money. We can't afford to lose my 401k, even though it's not a large amount. So there you go. Angela, it is true. With the state of this economy and the stock market, I would be staying away from stocks right now because it seems like you really, really need this money. And you may need it sooner than later. And you want to keep it 100% safe and sound. Within your 401k, the first question is, is there an investment within your 401k where you could invest this money and keep it safe and sound? 
There might be a money market account. There might be something like that. If there is not, and you are not working anymore for this company, then I would be doing an IRA rollover with it because you don't want to pay taxes on this money right now. You're still too young to be taking money out of it at this point in time. I would do an IRA rollover with it at a discount brokerage firm such as TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, um, Schwab, E-Trade, whatever it may be. And within there, you could buy certificates of deposit or you could buy treasury notes or bills. If you are still working for this company, then ask your HR person, can you do a partial distribution or can you do a distribution from this 401k into an IRA rollover while you are still working with them and do what I said to do a few seconds ago. But if you can't afford to lose any money, it should not be in the stock market at all at this point in time. Okay, here we go, everybody. Guess what time it is? It is quizzy time. Now, KT and everybody listening, because this quizzy is not just for KT, it's for all of you. This is a different kind of quizzy. This is a quizzy where I want all of you to pretend you're me. Hmm. Poor things. Anyway, pretend that you're me. And people ask me and now you a question that really has more to do with life and decisions than just money. Because the one great thing about the Women in Money podcast is it's not just about money. It's about life. It's about relationships. It's about your fears of life, everything. Because that makes up your true wealth, if you ask me. So here is your quizzy. And you're going to have to think about this, KT. Okay, we're all going to put on Susie hats. Right. All right. Hi, Susie and KT. I really need your advice as I'm stuck in what feels like a hopeless situation. I am 60, divorced, and retired in 2016, unfortunately, before I found your advice. I own my home with no mortgage. It's worth $300,000. The house is more than I need, and I would like to downsize and move to a warmer climate, but I feel trapped. My mother is 82 and lives independently nearby in her own large home. She leans on me a lot and needs my help for driving her and various things around the house. She wants to stay there at least until her cat dies. I really want to sell while the housing market is up, but I feel too guilty to move to another part of the country. I don't want to sell and rent here because I don't want to spend money on renting. Also, I could not live in the same house with my mother as I would become a raving maniac. (laughs) Should I go ahead with my plans? Please help me, Susie. I value your advice. Thanks for all you and KT do. That is not difficult to answer, Susie. She's 60 years old. You've got to put yourself first. You need to make yourself a happy camper in order to even have a future happy relationship with your mom. Do not feel guilty. Sell the house. 
move to Florida where we live, which is great. And guess what? Your mom's going to buy a little cat carrier and come and visit you when it's freezing in that big house. You need to live your own life. You absolutely, you'll regret and you'll be miserable along with, you know, the relationship you have right now with your mom. You need to put yourself first. End of story. End of story, Susie. God, that you so surprised me with that answer. No, I believe that. There's no right or wrong answer, by the way, for this situation, everybody. I think that that, you have to be true to yourself. I'm learning that as I get older and older and older, that if you cannot put yourself first and your needs and your happiness and your peace of mind, you can't share that with others around you. But how do you think she would feel... If she sells her house, she goes and she moves, and now her mother gets sick, now there's nobody to take care of her mom, then, you know, her mom hurts herself. No, her mother sounds like she's stubborn. She doesn't want to move from a big house or even consider relocating because the cat comes before her daughter. That's how I read it. There you go. How did all of you answer comes before her daughter. And this daughter really, she's 60 years old. She's divorced. Live again. You're still young. Mm -hmm. Put yourself first. And if mom gets sick or mom needs help, guess what? Get on a plane and come back and help her for a week. Or move her out to where you are. move her to where you are. Here's what I would have answered this quizzy by. I would have said, you're an adult and your mother's an adult. And you need to sit down with her and you need to tell her how you're feeling. You need together to make a plan. And I just think if your mother could give you her blessings and say, okay, honey, do that, it would make it easier on you because then you wouldn't feel so guilty. If she begs you not to go and says things like that, then you have to figure out what you need to say back to her. You need to say, mom, come with me. Let's both relocate. Let's both go to some place and take advantage of this high real estate market and things like that. But I think this is a question that nobody can answer for you, but you, because you're the one who has to live with the ramification of your decisions. Mm -hmm. And you have to feel really good about them. Because otherwise, you're going to sell your house, you're going to move, your mother's going to make you feel guilty every single time you talk to her, and somehow you're not going to end up enjoying the fact that you did this. So you have to come to a decision with your mother as to how are both of you going to live your lives as you get older, as to what you should do with it, and go from there. But there's no right or wrong answer to this question. Stand in your truth. Stand in your truth. Think about it. I know that, KT, but she can stand in her truth and still tell her mother what her truth is. And her truth is that she really wants a change in her life. I get that, KT. I get that. But as adults, and they're both serious adults right now, you need to have a conversation yeah, with, with your that. mom. I agree with that. And if your mom doesn't want to listen or 
share or communicate, then you have to make that decision that's right for you. I, I don't know what to say to that. And I don't know what to say that only because I'm now replaying the podcast that I did on my birthday mm-hmm. and the regrets that I had, right? And my, re- my main regret was I didn't understand what my mother was going through. So that's all I'm going to say. You might want to listen to that podcast and make your decision from there. All right, everybody. Now on Sunday... We're going to have Susie's school. What are you going to talk about? It's going to be kind of a technical Susie's school. And what topic? Maybe dividend paying stocks Mm. and how they really work, because I don't think people understand that. Or I'm really into people knowing triggers in the market that they should look for that will indicate for them if they should sell or buy or what they should do if they're in a situation where they either have money to invest or they need money from stocks that they have. Do both. I don't know if I have Split enough time. Split it up and do dividends first uh-huh. and then go into the triggers because not a lot of people, people ask Susie all the time, what should I do? Right. Yeah. So. And by the way, I'm just going to go back to this for one more second. For those of you, because I do look at all the emails that come in, or I try to, those are you, of you that are asking really long questions about your own personal portfolio. What do I think about this ETF, this mutual fund, this thing that you have? How are you? Please don't write that because I can't answer them. There's no way I can answer that. So, I wish I could be every one of yours personal financial advisor. You never know, one day I may artificially intelligent myself to do that. <laughs> you never know. Uh-oh. <laughs> right? But but there's no way for me to do that. I just want you to know. But I so, am so grateful that you take the time to write in. All right. So until Sunday, KT. What do we want to say to everybody? We're going to be safe, strong, and secure. secure. We love you all so much. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We can't give up. And no matter what the world throws at us, we will rise above and live a life we love. If we just believe, it will set us free. We will rise above and live a life we love. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.